everybody, and thank you for tuning in to My Sentiments Exactly. My name is Kay, and I'm your host. Season two is all about minding mental health, and this is episode two. I'm excited to have a special guest, Emily Washkovic, with me on the show to join the discussion. MSE Podcast is dedicated to talking about the hard stuff and facilitating the conversations necessary for growth, healing, transformation, and genuine community. Now it's your turn. My hope is that you finish this episode feeling empowered to continue the conversation with those around you. One way you can do that is by purchasing the MSE Podcast Conversation Starters Deck available at bygracenp.com. May these cards inspire you to speak out and be heard, and may you be authentically embraced for the uniqueness of your journey. So Emily, um, can you please share with us your experience um, prior to your diagnosis and even um, post-diagnosis? Absolutely. So before my diagnosis, I would say my life was pretty typical of someone in their 20s. I have a really fast-paced job, so I do business outreach, which means, you know, I'm speaking at events, I'm hosting events, I'm going Mm -hmm. to conferences, trade shows, things like that. So I didn't have a typical nine to five. I kind of had my own flexible schedule, but that really allowed me to kind of Get my, allow myself to get out of control, to be honest. Um, I wasn't always sleeping the best. I wasn't always setting boundaries or, you know, deadlines for myself in terms of how much work was enough in a day. Um, okay. But I had a very, very normal life. I have, you know, a ton of friends. We all kind of moved around to different parts of the country after we graduated. And life was pretty good for the most part. The biggest thing that I remember pre-diagnosis that I look back on now is just that feeling of my brain constantly racing and always thinking that I was, you know, thinking about work or I would be so happy or excited that I could remember something that I had forgotten to do earlier in the day. But my brain was always going. It was a stream of consciousness at all times. Um, And, you know, post-diagnosis, a lot has changed for me. So the biggest differences are I used to sleep like four to five hours a night on average, and now the minimum I get is seven. I'm normally sleeping, you know, eight, (laughs) nine hours. It's crazy. Um, (laughs) Yeah, it's crazy. And, you know, I tell people all the time, when I was told that I was going to need to sleep more and started taking my medications that were going to help me get that sleep, I was so worried about losing those hours in the day. Like, yeah. how do you lose yeah. four to five hours in your day, right? Like, yeah, that's a lot of time to give up. But I'll be honest, sleeping more has helped my overall effectiveness, efficiency, ability to, you know, zone in and get things done. And those extra hours in the day that I used to be awake, they were just so detrimental to me as opposed to how, you know, effective I thought I was. Got you. That makes, that makes a lot of sense. Um, I can definitely see, I wish I slept seven to nine nine hours, you know, know. I'm I'm sure it has, has made a huge difference. Um, can you kind of lead us up to um, 
when you were diagnosed and, you know, how the diagnosis made you feel um, just at that point when your life kind of, you know, took that, that, that turn. Yeah, absolutely. So I had just gotten a puppy. Um, I think that was probably a big catalyst to my manic episode, just, you know, having all of that overwhelming, um, but exciting energy in my life. I was so excited and, you know, I was, I was really, really amped up. I had a lot of energy in me and I was building up to that full blown manic episode for about four days. So, you know, texting people all day, every day, um, running around, showing people my new puppy. I was really going a mile a minute and my episode actually was pretty, pretty scary. I finally was just walking around my apartment, not making much sense at all, but I was talking and I was trying to explain to my boyfriend this idea that I had. And, you know, I was telling him, I just need to get in the shower and then I need to lay down and get some sleep. Like I could feel it, you know, I could feel that I was, I was tipping past a point of being able to control and he didn't know what to do. He had never seen me like that before. He was obviously scared and he FaceTimed one of my friends from college and said, Linda, have you ever seen Emily like this? I don't know what to do. She's not responding to me. And my friend right away said, you have to call our parents. And my parents live really close to us, luckily, um, about 15, 20 minutes away. So they came downtown and I mean, they knew something was terribly, terribly wrong right away. I, I'll be honest, I haven't talked about this that much yet in my storytelling, but my dad and mom walked into my apartment and I was naked. I was walking around. I kept saying I needed to get in the shower, but I wouldn't do it. I would be putting things away or, you know, doing whatever. So my dad is in my apartment and that's how like out of it I was that I didn't even realize like, oh my God, I don't want my dad to see me naked. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, that is such a crazy, that's the craziest thing to me of what was happening. But luckily they got some clothes on me. I mean, not really, but as well as they could, they got me in the car. Exactly. And they took me to the hospital and I was very fortunate. I wasn't like in an angry manic state. So I was relatively compliant once I got there. Um, And they just, I mean, they sedated me. They started pumping me with fluids. And then it was kind of a conversation of what are we going to do now? And they woke me up the next morning. They took me over to a mental health hospital where I was checked in. And they told me about my diagnosis. They said, you know, we're pretty, pretty confident that you have bipolar disorder. And we're also pretty confident that this was your first, you know, full-blown manic episode. And I, at first, I'll be honest, I was so shocked, but also I was still pretty high. So I was thinking like, okay, yeah, I understand what you're saying. Like what happened was crazy, but I just need sleep. So I can just go home and get some sleep, right? (laughs) Like that's all that I need. And they were like, no, Emily, you're not understanding. Like this is very serious. And the biggest thing they told me was, right now is our only time to treat this for the first time, which that resonated with me. Like, okay, they're telling me this is serious. And they're telling me that if we don't do something about this, it's only going to get worse. Right. Yeah. And so, I mean, 
it was this balance between not really having a choice to leave, but also, I mean, as an adult, you do have that choice. You could check yourself out and walk out of the mental health facility. But I was so lucky that I had this team that just kind of, you know, they wanted me to understand without pushing me too much. And so I stayed, I stayed in the mental health hospital for six days. Um, that was, that was a huge adjustment and shift for me. That was when I started to realize how intense this was and how much of my life I was experiencing side effects of this mood disorder without even knowing I had it. Gotcha. And I would say about a month after I got my diagnosis and left was when I started to really appreciate and lean into the diagnosis as a way to help me live a better life, you know? And yeah, yeah that's kind of where I transitioned. I was in outpatient treatment for 11 weeks. So I would go to therapy every day, Monday through Friday from eight to four. And that was when I learned just so much about my brain and about this disorder and about the things that all of us do and encounter in our lives that cause our mental health to be up, down, in between, whatever it might be. And yeah, I just really, really leaned in and I really took the time, energy, and effort to focus on my health and my mental health, which I had never done before. That was, I'm sure you can relate to this. It's like, you're yeah. so busy. You're so busy. Yeah. yeah. And your mental health, you're like, I'll get to that later or exactly. I'm okay. Exactly. You know, you know exactly really what I mean. it's really not tangible, so you don't, you don't focus more attention on it because it's not something that is, is more, is like evident, I guess you could say. Exactly. Like it's, it's not tangible, like actual, my, my actual to-do list. I can see that getting done, but I can't tell, you know, how my, how my mind is functioning, you know, and, and all of that. So it definitely gets overlooked because it's not something that's, you know, just outright obvious. Absolutely. And you also don't always feel the effects, be they positive or negative, of taking care of or ignoring your mental health, right? It's more of like Most a long definitely. game. Yeah. yeah. Until you kind of get to the point where you break down. And then it's like, exactly. try to do, you know, damage control, you know, from, from that point. Exactly. Um, I'm sure that you have, have, first of all, thank you for sharing that. Um, I'm sure you have come across a lot of misconceptions um, and stigmas that are associated with bipolar disorder. Yeah. Um, what are those? Because I, I, I can imagine some of them, but hearing it from you, what would you say are some misconceptions or stigmas that you've um, come across, uh, maybe in contact with other people or just have heard about um, that are associated with bipolar disorder? Yeah, I think some of the biggest misconceptions are this concept that people who have bipolar disorder are completely erratic and they yeah. cycle up and down and you yeah. never know what you're going to get and they might change their mind in 10 minutes. And all of those things are just things that have been created throughout the miscommunication of what the disorder actually looks like. And that's what happens when there's, you know, movies or whatever that exactly. are, explaining it, but not from the perspective of someone who actually lives it. Yeah, I got it. So that's some of the biggest is like bipolar of all mental health or mood disorders is the most erratic and up and down and all of that. When in reality, I mean, a lot of people who have bipolar disorder, 
they're going to have a high for a period of time, right, like multiple days. And then they might flatline, and then they might come low for, you know, two weeks, three weeks. You exactly. don't know, but it's exactly. not always up and down and crazy and quick, you know. Okay. Um, I think another thing is like, okay, so because I am now actively treating my bipolar and, you know, integrating that health and wellness into my everyday life, I think mm-hmm. there are some people that are like, oh, well, remember that one time? That must have been the bipolar. And in my oh, head, I'm like, okay. <laughs> uh, not really. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, why would you say that? <laughs> I'm a normal person, and when yeah. I have emotional reactions, it's just like you. You know what it's I mean? like everybody else, yeah. yeah. Exactly. Just because I have a disorder doesn't mean that, like, even though I'm experiencing the same feelings that you are, that mine is associated to the disorder. Exactly. You get it. I think the other thing is with all of this stuff happening in the world right now where there's, you know, shootings and whatever it may be, these people attach words without thinking about what they're saying to these events. So they'll say, Mm -hmm. oh, that person must have been so mentally ill or mentally unstable. And maybe that is the case, but I think that's a really – strong leap between someone who maybe has um, racism embedded in their personality or hate, like that is not a mental illness. Racism is not a mental illness, you know? Um, And people who have (laughs) mental illnesses aren't racist or aren't killing people. Like those are two very different things, but that's been a big um, topic of contention, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I've, I've definitely heard that. The reason why they, there was like a mass shooting or, you know, something like that was because they were mentally ill or mentally unstable. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, like and you cannot have a disorder and still do that. So. Right, right. <laughs> yeah. You totally get it. I do, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's, that, that's true. Um, I, I can definitely see how that's associated with a, a lot of things, um, but it's seen as if, like, because you have a disorder, you're not, you're no longer human. Right. And I think the most interesting thing about that is a lot of times, especially the people who are open or actively managing their mental health, mm-hmm. they're probably more stable than people who don't have a disorder, but aren't conscious of the importance of things like meditation or good sleep or diet Mm -hmm. you know what I mean like yeah there are a lot of people who have disorders who are way more in tune and active about their mental health than people without disorders got you yeah to the point where you wouldn't even be able to tell exactly exactly and I think the other thing is a lot of stigma and misconception breeds from a lack of knowledge right so these people don't know someone with bipolar disorder. And so they only know what they've heard or what they think they know, but Mm -hmm. they haven't met a human yet. Right. Like they don't have an Emily in their life who has bipolar for them to experience what that actually looks like. Yeah. Yeah. And that was something that was important to me. Um, And, you know, talking about mental health, um, I wanted to talk to people that actually, are experiencing, you know, things like disorders, but also um, that know more about just how how to manage your, your mental health, not just from a you've never had to experience a disorder and you're just giving advice, which is, which is good, 
but it, it it's different when you actually hear it from someone that is actually experiencing, you know, something like a disorder, um, and that sure. has to actively manage um, their their mental health and knowing not just um, ways to to prevent, I guess some people would say, um, but how how you can live with with disorders. Um, because there are a lot of people that have them, so there's there's not there's no way to go back and undo. Yeah, so absolutely. What happens if you do get to that point where you are diagnosed? Um, I think is is important to to talk about because we just talk about the preventative. <laughs> and, yeah. You know, never about you know the treatment and what happens if you do get to that point. How can you manage? Um, and like you said, instead of guessing and assuming what bipolar disorder is and, you know, um, it, it helps to actually hear from someone, <laughs> you know, yeah. like you said, having Emily in in your life to, you know, really show you the truth, you know, and, and living with that, what it looks like and how the popular opinions aren't always accurate. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So I know you said, um, you know, diet and sleep routine, what are ways that you are actively managing that you have found are, are helpful? Yeah, so some of the biggest things for me, um, the first one is I try as hard as I can to not multitask anymore. So oh, isn't that crazy? You do that all the time. I know you do. I know oh people God. like you. They're, you it's know, me. I'm going to be taking notes. I really am going to be taking notes because I need to get seven to nine hours as much as I can with the with the almost six month old, but oh my on, on a on a regular day to day basis, you know, I would definitely like to get more sleep and and yeah. not multitask as much as I do. So I'm I'm taking notes as of now. So the multitasking <laughs> thing, this is honestly like probably one of the biggest breakthroughs I had in therapy, was the fact that. Okay, at the end of the day, my brain would never be calmed down because while I was multitasking all day, I didn't have that sense of satisfaction that like, okay, this is completed and now I'm moving on to the next thing. My brain is constantly doing multiple things. So then when the day ends, I would have this brain that was like running around making sure I didn't forget anything all day. And it was because I was doing so much at the same time, you know? So some tips for how I do that. I set alarms now. If I'm like in a meeting, for example, and I know what time I need to wrap to go to the next meeting or whatever it may be, if I'm working on a project and, you know, I know that I have to move on to something else, even if I can't finish it, I'll set an alarm. And that helps me from doing things like checking my phone in the middle of meetings, you know, things like that. Um, Some of the other big things for me, though, are, I mean, I really, really, really work on things like meditation, and I have my app, you know, on my phone. I don't do it every day, let's be honest. I forget sometimes. Yeah. But when I'm really feeling like, okay, I'm overwhelmed or my brain is racing, I put one of those meditations on, and I just have to, like, go back to the deep breathing, you know, like, breathe in, breathe out, and then make a to-do list, like, what is my brain racing about? What am I worried about? How can I put it down on paper so it's out of my head, you know? Instead of relying solely on your brain to remember everything. Exactly. Got you. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that definitely helps putting it down on paper. I live by planners and lists, 
And, oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, but even with, I have found, even with my planner and even with stuff like that, I still, stri- like, I'm still, like, Maybe I forgot to put something down on my planner. I know. <laughs> or, like, the way my planner is set up, it has, like, the top three, like, the most important things. I'm like, so then I have to worry about that, deciding which of this whole list I should put in the top three. So somehow I still find a way to stress. Oh, I know. <laughs> and that's the thing is, like, even when you're actively doing this, you're not mm-hmm. going to be perfect, right? Like, yeah. <laughs> acknowledging that you are still going to feel those things is so important. Okay, you want another cool tip, though? Okay. So here is something that's really cool. This idea that your emotions or feelings about things can be something that you remove yourself from slightly was mm-hmm. such a game changer for me as well. So the analogy they used to use in treatment is when something happens, right, you can Mm -hmm. either jump on the train and ride away with your emotions and how you're feeling and why it happened to you and all this stuff, or Mm -hmm. you can step off the train and just watch it go by. And sometimes that is like, okay, yeah, that works. And other times you're like, that's such BS, you know? Exactly. But, on this train. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> I to be on this train. <laughs> exactly. But the more times I think that you can step back and ask yourself, the better. Like yesterday, I was driving home from Chicago, and I just felt like I should get home in like an hour and a half, you know? Mm-hmm. But as I'm nearing my place, I felt like every person driving around me was just driving like such a moron, you know? And I'm sitting there like, what is he doing? What is she doing? Blah, blah. And then I'm thinking to myself, none of these people are cutting me off because they want me to have a bad day. Like I'm giving all this emotional energy out and it's really only affecting me. So why am I doing that? You know, that's so true because it's nothing personal. (laughs) Exactly. No one cares or thinks about you as much as you think they do. That is so accurate. So accurate. Yeah. So accurate. Those are actually really good too. I'm I'm definitely gonna use that train thing because I need to watch a lot of things pass. Well, with <laughs> a kid, I mean, a six month old. There's so many things that could happen in a day where you're like, "Are you trying Listen, to do this to yes. me?" Yes. <laughs> and, and well, and you have a to do list, and it's like it can all go out of the window. Which I mean, at the end of the day, like as long as you know she's taken care of, like I'm like my to-do list can take the back seat. But then there's some days, right. like, I really do have to get, I have no idea how I'm going to get all of this done. Um, so, yeah, I, I definitely. But in, in terms of emotions, um, I would say it's, it's very helpful. I'm, like, definitely trying to learn ways to better manage my emotions and um, not take, because I, I automatically take things personal. Oh, absolutely. Um, I think a lot of us do yeah. that. yeah. That's like my instant reaction is like it's because I did something wrong or because I'm a bad person or like I never even really go to like what somebody else did. I assume it's that negative self-talk. Yeah, I did it because I'm this way. Like they did it because I'm this way. (laughs) Totally. You know what? That's another interesting thing. So that like idea of negative self-talk or um, I guess the other way to think about it is either like anxiety is worry about what's going to happen in the future. Whereas rumination is like the concept of overthinking what already happened. So if you're that kind of person who 
goes out to dinner with like a group of friends. And then on the car ride home, you're like, was Carly mad at me? Did I say something messed up to her? Blah, blah, blah. And you're just running through in your head. Now, in therapy, they say that the best way to treat or solve that is to identify you're doing it and then fact check yourself. But you can really only get better at it if you can recognize you're doing it, right? So that's a hard concept is being able to have those emotions and then check yourself like, wow, I'm ruminating right now. I'm thinking about all these things and I need to go back to facts. What do I know? And that's hard. I mean, that is super, super hard. And all of us do that. And I think that was kind of a weird concept to me too. Like, wow, everyone's walking around having questions and doubts in their mind because our brains are not always reliable narrators. You know, our brains are just processing things so fast, so frequently all day long. That's so true. Yeah. Yeah. This, this conversation is really, really helping me because like I, (laughs) I'm so glad. Yeah. Like I, well, I'm, you know, already following you on social media, but um, you know, definitely looking forward to, you know, looking into more of your posts and, and things like that. Um, just to get some more tips and, you know, make sure that I'm, you know, managing well, which is something I've been, I've been wanting to do, you know, for a while. Um, but I'm, I'm so glad that I connected with you. This is kind of like a sidebar, but I'm so yeah, I, mean, I am I so happy with you because you have like a lot of practical ways, um, to help you manage your emotions and, um, things like that, which is definitely needed. I know for me, so I can only imagine how many other people that, you know, will listen to this that will, um, you know, just realize some things that are going on with, with, you know, yourself. Um, and, you know, take on to those, to those tips. Um, yeah, I appreciate yeah. that. I feel like, you know, I kind of wish I had a more serious wake up call that wasn't so serious earlier, but exactly. you know, now that I'm here, I'm like, okay, if I can share what I went through and learned, because let's be honest, mm-hmm. not everyone is going to get the chance to go to 11 weeks of therapy. That was a blessing and a curse, yeah. but that yeah. is like not a thing everyone gets to do. Exactly. So I just want to share, you know, what I learned, what I experienced. And, you know, for me, my relationships are stronger and my work-life balance is so much better post-diagnosis. And I think so many people struggle with those things. And if they can just, you know, shift perspective, even just briefly, I think it can open up a lot of possibilities for people. Yeah, I I totally agree. Um, so, you know, you, you mentioned sharing your experience and I know that you are doing that through, um, bipolar broad balance. Um, can you tell us about that? Um, and also just in general, like why you feel that advocating for mental health awareness and slaying the stigma is so important. Um, but definitely tell us a little about bipolar broad balance. Yeah. So bipolar broad balance is a blog and then Instagram mental health advocacy account that I launched. Last week, actually, on my one-year anniversary of hospitalization, and the blog is going to have some longer-form posts. It'll switch between, um, you know, maybe informative and tactical things as well as more of my story. Um, So, you know, a little bit about me. Uh, One of the posts that I put up last week was my three favorite things I learned in a mental health hospital 
things like that that are a little bit more long form. And then the Instagram account is really just my way of starting a dialogue and creating a community surrounding mental health. I'll be specifically talking about bipolar disorder quite a bit, but then also just sharing the positive things in my life that have come out of this diagnosis and this extra attention to my mental health. Um, So, you know, it kind of switches between images, videos, things about me and my experience, as well as like you were mentioning, those more tactical things or mm-hmm. what I'm reading, what podcasts I'm listening to, okay. things that I'm connecting with in the community to, you know, stay engaged and continue this conversation about mental health and, you know, talking with other people to slay stigma about what those disorders look like and how people with disorders can have very happy and fulfilling lives. Gotcha. Yeah, that, that's amazing. That, that really I'm, is amazing. I'm really, really excited, and it's been going so great already. I've just been loving all the messages I've been getting, friends and family of my friends and family who have, you know, found the account or been sent the account and are able to even just send me a message and say, this is what is going on or happened with me, and I haven't told anyone that before. Like, that stuff is so powerful. And I'll just say, like, PSA to anyone in your community, like if you have questions or just want to talk or whatever, DM me. I am super into that and really want to get to know more people and grow this community as as much as I can. Yeah, that's awesome. Expect DMs for me. Uh, I love it. I'm so glad we found each other. Seriously. I am really. I I, I really am. Because like practically thinking like, um, you know, therapy is definitely needed. It's definitely important. But, like, the practicality with scheduling and all of that, um, you know, it can get difficult, you know, trying to you factor that in. And hopefully that will be, you know, something that I can take advantage of, you know, in the in the future. But, you know, in the meantime, it's definitely good to have someone to talk to. Um, so I'm definitely grateful for your platform. Um, and, you know, I, I just feel like it's important for us to, I think it's important for us to slay the stigma because mental health is not something, like, we all deal with it. Exactly. So it's something that we, that we all need, like, and it doesn't mean that you are weak or that you are crazy for seeking help and trying to actively manage, um, you know, your mental health doesn't mean that you have a problem or, um, you know that you're you're not you're not strong because you need help, um, and I you know I don't feel like it's something that you should be ashamed of, um, and I feel like you know it's better late. I mean it's better you know to do it now than you know to like you were saying you wish you would have had the wake up call way before, um, you know. So I feel like whenever you can seek help, whenever you can um, you know have that accountability um, is is important whenever you can. Absolutely. I couldn't agree more. Yeah. So what advice, you know, this will be the the last question, but what advice would you give someone, um, someone else who may have been diagnosed or someone that may be experiencing symptoms? Yeah. I think the biggest thing, if you have been already diagnosed and you're struggling with that, which is very, very, very common, is to really find some safe spaces in your life where you can talk about and work through that. And maybe that's a therapist, but maybe it's a friend or a colleague or a partner, you know, and 
I know it's scary. I know it's so scary to tell people what you're going through and the fear of them thinking of you differently is always there. Mm-hmm. But for me, especially those safe people in my life that I've been able to talk to have helped me to feel more comfortable when I might need to cancel plans or, you know, okay. if I need to take a day off of work for my mental health, I feel comfortable telling my safe people that stuff. Yeah. That's huge, especially canceling plans and, you know, having to do do stuff like that is important for you to be able to hear from someone that's like, it's okay. <laughs> exactly, yeah. exactly. And I think for those who, you know, haven't been diagnosed with something but are maybe feeling like they have some symptoms, the best thing you can do in that scenario is really just kind of start to implement some of these mental health and wellness things that are easily accessible and, you know, more free, for example, or, um, you know, just easier for you to do in your day-to-day. And maybe that's a meditation app. Maybe that's just going to yoga or taking 30 minutes for yourself to walk outside. Something where you are making dedicated and conscious efforts at giving yourself some energy, some positive, some positivity, and, you know, just some brightness in your life. I think that can really, really calm down the mind, especially when you're feeling like things are out of control. Just bring it back to the basics and ask yourself, like, what am I worried about? And then what's the worst thing that could happen? And, you know, just kind of breaking down what you're feeling in your head and bringing it outside of you will help a lot. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah, that's, that's, that's good advice. Um, one thing that I that I love that you say, you know, from time to time, um, is that you you aren't bipolar. It's you have bipolar disorder. Yep. I love which I love saying that. And I love you know, that's important. That's a really important distinction because telling someone that they're bipolar is implying something about them that is who they are yes. and having yeah. bipolar disorder is a part of who you are. Yeah. That's so true. Yeah. Cause I think it, it goes back to, you know, not seeing you as, as, as human, <laughs> you exactly. know, you are this damaged individual, I think is a, is a way it's, it's presented like you, you're this damaged, broken individual, um, and my thing is just because you have a, a diagnosis doesn't mean that you're any more, like, if you're going to say someone is a broken or damaged individual, think about how broken and damaged you are. I love that. That is just perfect. That's gold. Yeah, your diagnosis does not make you any more damaged or broken, if we're going to use that terminology, than I am. I just don't have a diagnosis, but we're all dealing with things. Like, and we can all get to that point, um, but I feel like it definitely requires, you know, and you're dealing with someone that, that has been diagnosed, I think it should shed some light on, on yourself, um, and you should definitely extend grace to that person because you're no, like, you're no better than they are, um, and right. while you can be strong today, it can be your turn, and, and you're, you know, you're really struggling to to maintain, you know, health, you know, mental health um, the next day. So you just never exactly. know. 
Um, but that's that's one thing that I love that you say because it's it's something that you that you're dealing with. It's, it has nothing to do with your character or who you are as a person, your identity, um, which is something that's that's often you know misconstrued and um, it becomes something that you are and a part of your identity um, and something that can't be separated from who you are as a person. I think that's spot on. Yeah. Yeah. So, wow, this was a really good conversation. I just, I I wanted to thank you again for being willing to come on and to share your story um, and to share tips and talk about the misconceptions and everything. I really appreciate it. Um, And I'm, you know, just looking forward to people that that hear this, reaching out to you and um, finding out about your your Instagram account and blog and just being able to connect with that. So thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Yeah, I'm so glad we connected, and I'm really excited to continue to be in each other's communities, and I'm super excited for this season of all your mental health episodes. I think it's really cool that you're focusing on that for season two. Yeah, and and before we go, like, I I really wanted to focus on, on mental health, especially leading up to, you know, the holiday season, Oh, so um, important. Yeah, because I'm I'm not sure if mental health awareness is in I don't I don't want to say the wrong month, but I know I'm pretty sure it was in September. Don't quote me on that, but I'm pretty okay. sure. Okay, because I was thinking June, but I, I have no clue. But either way, like I feel like it should definitely be something that's dealt with at any time. Um, but especially you know leading up to the the holiday season. Um, I think it's it's really important to, and going into the new year, I really think it's important for us to talk about mental health and make sure that we're, you know, starting now and not just waiting until, you know, the Mental Health Awareness Month, um, but, but going ahead and, and talking about it now, especially in a season where there are a lot of people that are, are dealing with, emo- like, stuff is, is resurfacing um, yep. that maybe has, has been suppressed the rest of the year. Um, so yeah, thank you so much again for being a part of the of the conversation. I appreciate it. Yeah, thanks so much for having me on. Yeah, no problem at all. So thank you to everyone for tuning in and make sure that you connect with Emily on social media. Did you enjoy this episode? I'd love for you to continue the conversation with those around you. One way you can do that is by purchasing the MSE Podcast Conversation Starter Stick, available at bygracenp.com. Be sure to leave a review on one of MSE's listening platforms, share with a friend, and join the My Sentiments Exactly podcast community on social media at MSE Podcast. The podcast is available for listening on all major streaming platforms, bygracenp.com, and on my mobile app. Hope to hear from you soon.